Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo decoded report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestion, endo aligned product matching in your state, suggested dosage guidelines, and optimum methods of administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeka soft gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeka Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. What's up, everyone? It's 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon, which means you're tuning in into Cannabis Legalization News. I'm producer Laura, and today we're going to be speaking with Jahan Gordon Booth. She is one of the four women who crafted the incredible Illinois legalization bill, which is scheduled to take place in uh, January 1st, 2020. Uh, but first, let's get into a little bit of Cannabis Legalization News. What's going on? I tell you, it was Donald Trump doing it again when he hey, just... Guys pushed legalization news right off the, the map by doing something terribly inappropriate. But there is a, a Senate and a uh, House committee vote today or this week on the Safe Banking Act. But, you know, the biggest news is now, Jahan, uh, thank you so much for coming on and for helping to pass this law and to draft it. The, the application's coming out next week. How do you think it's going to go? Oh, you're on, Jahan. Can you hear us? Jahan, can you hear us? Hopefully, Jahan can hear us. Oh, oh no. Are we I having hear you? You can't hey. hear me. That's not good. <laughs> Mickey, can you hear me? I can hear you. All right, Lauren, can you? All right, John, you're back. Can you hear us? Oh, no. Oh, man. Well, you know. we can sign. We'll do, we'll do a little sign. Let's see. Uh, let's take her off. All right. Uh, let's see if she can come back into the studio. Hey, Jahan, can you hear us? I can hear you. Oh, cool. We're back. We're back. All right. I cannot, I cannot hear Tom. Oh, you still can't hear me. Tom, you're not special. I'll just talk right. to Jahan for us. I see the lips moving, but I don't hear anything. <laughs> but, um, so, Tom, I'll be... Oh. He's re-entering re the studio. Let's see. So, Jahan, uh, Tom was going to He was asking you about the uh, upcoming uh, uh, applications. Oh, he's to me. oh, wow. What can you guys hear me that? now? Can anybody hear me? I can hear you. Jahan, can you hear me? Oh my gosh, I'm so okay. I, I used to oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, I can't believe we can't talk to each other. The legalization. This is going to be fun on YouTube right now. Just all the switching. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Can everybody hear me now? I can hear you fine. I can hear you. Okay, I had to turn it on and turn it off again. Jahan, 
What do you have to say about this law that's going to have an application next week? Um, this was a labor of love. It took an incredibly long time to get this done. Uh, we've worked on this for about three years. We traveled around the country to um, find, find best practices, things that people were doing right, things that folks were doing wrong. Um, to be quite honest with you, Illinois has a gold standard as it relates to um, a medical program in terms of um, their tracking process and seed to seal. Um, we have we have, we are considered the, within the industry. We are considered the gold standard, and again in medical as it relates to um, preventing leakage. What we did not have was we did not have a medical program that was reflective of the community. And so with that being said, what we did was we crafted a medical, I mean, excuse me, we crafted a recreational cannabis policy that was incredibly equity centered um, around principles that were incredibly important to myself and the other three sponsors. Now, um, I, I wanted to ask about the social equity aspect, where are some of these social equity applicants going to be living if we don't have the map for it? Um, the map's coming. The mm. map's coming. So just because the application hits on October 1, it's not due October 1, it just is live October 1. Right. Uh, the application won't be due for some time. And you will know, I had a conversation with DCEO today about something. Um, not germane to this issue, but this came up. And they are on the precipice of releasing that within days. That would be awesome. John, where did you have for your points? How did you, the, this group of amazing women coming up with the, uh, the, the actual recreational uh, program? What was your, uh, your input? What, what made you guys, you know, veterans, minorities? How did you map that out? Um, so it was, I would say we embarked on a, what I would call a, pretty inclusive process. So my engagement, so Kelly and Kelly and Heather introduced the bill um, three and a half, four years ago. And I got engaged because there, this cannabis legalization bills have always been around, but the bill is just a bill. Right. Um, but I know Kelly, Kelly and I work together on a number of different issues. I felt her, she's helped to me and I know her to be a serious legislator. I also know Heather to also be a serious legislator. So I approached Kelly, um, three and a half years ago, from the standpoint that I wanted to engage in this process from the from an equitable standpoint, wanting to make sure that this industry was reflective of the entirety of Illinois. I mean, so many of our, if you look at our procurement process um, at the state level, it is not inclusive of the entire of the um, of the demographics of the state, and so. I have been very clear and very intentional and very unapologetic that I wanted to make sure I came to the table with a couple of issues. I wanted to make sure that people had the ability to expunge their records. I wanted to make sure that there were people of color that looked like me that had an ownership stake in the industry, particularly because black and brown communities were the communities that were ravaged by the war on drugs for the last eight years. So that was my 
Um, that was my angle from the very beginning, and I've never been um, bashful about why I wanted to be at the table, and that's what I fought for. And yeah. I think that put it over the top, but then I wanted to ask, like, I understand that you didn't write it just like for black and brown people to get into the industry because we had discussed earlier that might have drawn some type of constitutionality challenge. How did you structure the social equity applicant status to get around that type of uh, you know, racial bias issue that may come up legislatively? I mean, so obviously, you know, any policy that you write, if you want it to be able to stand up in court of law, you have to be able to stand up to strict scrutiny. So we did not, as it relates to the actual policy, um, it's all race neutral. So the language, the language is all race neutral. Um, and, but the language, what it does speak specifically to, um, our communities, like disproportionately impacted areas. Um, it, it speaks to more broad concepts mm -hmm. than, actual, than actually race. Um, right. it really gets to, it off, it, if you want to look at sort of what the threat is, it really gets to what happened during the war on drugs and communities that were impacted by the war on drugs. Um, so certainly those are not only black and brown communities, but primarily. Yeah, so at the end of the day, what comes, comes. Um, but we wanted to structure the law in a way that, number one, was legal, that could stand up in a court of law, but right. two, that got to the intention that we were looking to get to, which is something that is reflective of the entirety of the state. Because when you go to other states, so one of the things that happened as we were traveling and um, meeting with folks around the country, none of, almost no state has a market that is reflective of i mean number one other than vermont everyone else did this through ballot measure right, right. So you take a small paragraph throw it on the ballot cannabis yes no well those of us that are on this podcast well we all know guess what people like cannabis yep um and people voted yes for it yes they but do the, but the reality of it is is that when you do uh when you legalize cannabis through that measure what you don't have the ability to do is you don't have the ability to be intentional um, from a policy perspective. Hmm. And there are pilot, when you are crafting a policy, you are allowed to make policy considerations about the things that you think are important. And so other than Vermont, which is incredibly homogenous, um, Illinois is not, Illinois is incredibly diverse. We are the first state of our, of our, oh, that did this through the legislative process, which is why our bill is 610 pages. Yep. Yeah. I think you should be especially proud of the, uh, the the social equity aspect of that bill. Like being the only state that did that, that that's a huge statement. Everybody else is playing catch up with you here in Washington. They just started doing it. I'm like, after five years, we're, we're going to start. Uh, yeah. See, here's the problem. Like the market is saturated at this point, you know? I mean, and so that's why if you want to, I mean, it's like anything is better than nothing, right? So I won't say that it doesn't mean anything. I will never say that. But what I do, what I, what I believe firmly is, I mean, markets are markets. I don't, start, I don't care if we're talking about cannabis, if we're talking, it doesn't matter. Like, it's going to be so much more difficult to do once the market is already saturated. So we did a demand study back in um, February. And um, basically, the current market will only be able to meet about forty-five percent of the demand. Do you have and a copy of that study? I do not. Dang, because that would be one of those nice links that we like to share, so people can read it. I'll see if I can find it for you. Cool. 
Yeah, no, because I, I, you you kind of designate the whole uh, uh, um, uh, the lower income areas. I mean, you're kind of guaranteed like to hit the the people you're trying to uh, help out. You know, uh, Tom wrote an awesome yeah. article. Uh, what was that last week, Tom? Where you talked about I was, the barrier? That was my month for the cannabis law and regulation reporter article. So my next one, I, I just submitted last week, and I can't already re- remember what it is because this industry moves so fast. But I think it's it's excellent in the sense that you know when I got these guys on the line, I have to tell them like, well, where's tell me about your social equity talent? And it's creating uh, such a search right now for people that have been arrested for cannabis. Because that's the only one that I can tell them for certain that one qualifies. I'm like, give me the rap sheet. Okay, this is a social equity applicant. Uh, but or, now once or anyone in their family. Or, uh, and then I tell them that's generational. Like, so not maybe not them, maybe their parents, maybe their kids. But or, you know, if it's a narrative to well cousin, that's your dependent. Uh, no, I don't think brother was in there like that. The, the, the member of related family. Okay, I, I'm going to review it because just like Bernie Sanders. You're old, the dang bill, you know? Um, yeah. And so, like, I'm not going to sit here and say, just, I remember. Like, when I tell you, I've never spent so much time working on anything other than maybe my child and my yeah. marriage and my life. I've never spent this much time on any one issue ever. And it still consumes my day. Well, yeah, but I like I told you, I think that, you know, and I thank you so much for doing it. And it, it opened doors for me to get back into this industry. I mean, that's how I met Miggy 10 years ago when I wrote that book. But now I'm able to do it. And I've meet, met so many other people that want to get into this industry, too. So like, Ellie, what's that? I need to read your book. OK, I'll, I'll get you one next time I see you out at one of the fundraisers. I hear uh, there's one tonight. Um, but, uh, you know, it's. It's it's not just the industry. It's also the ancillary industries. And all these people are now going to get jobs and they're going to have to, they're going to be able to pay taxes. And so, like, when you look at the revenue number, that revenue number is there. But that's like crust stuff on the whole pie. I mean, it's these other things that are coming as well from the industry and all these businesses that are forming right now. And they're they're trying to win this lottery. And they need to have social equity talent to win it. I'm like, and so. You know? Yes, and the point is that the social equity points are so much that you can't leave them on the board. Like if you yeah. want, if you, if you want to win, if you want to win an application, um, and that was like I fought for that strongly in um, in this policy, right? Because oftentimes, I mean, I've listen. I've been around a little while at this point. Um, rather, it's the state, the city, the county. You know, oh, we care about diversity, so you'll get. Two and a half points, you know, if you have two and a half points out of 200 points, if you, you know, have like a diverse package that you can mm-hmm. be able to put together. And it's, it's, it's so few, it's so few points that yeah, people just like, okay, you know, I'm going to make sure, I'm going to make sure every other area is tight. Hang on a second. Right. Because like the, the veteran the veteran owned one is kind of like that in the sense that there's only like uh two points. Well, not two points, 2%, like five points for getting, if it's, if it's a veteran owned, but that's not like enough. Like you'd still get a 98% score on that test. If you're looking at like that, however, without the social equity talent, you're looking at an 80% score. So like right there, you're and just, you're, done. you're taking a hit and you can, and you can stick a fork in it because you're that's done. Right. And then, so I can't yeah. wait to get the map because then I can advise clients as to like, well, where do you live? I, I don't have that opportunity yet to say like, well, where do you live? I can guess. The good, I can the, good, the good thing is 
Um, nobody has it. So you're not at a disadvantage. True. Nobody has it, one. But number two, there are certain communities that you absolutely know are going to be in the map. They just are, right? Like, yeah. so, where we, so where we live, you know anything in 61605 is going to be in the map. There you go. But like, that's one of the things about it though. I'm wondering, I'm going to get this map and are there just going to be large absent spaces on the map that correspond to where the corn is? Say it again? This disproportionately impacted area map, will that just be like a, a chart of basically uh, only inner cities or, or like if you get into rural areas where there'll be any disproportionately impacted areas? Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a, that's above yeah. my pay grade. So you started the, 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 you created the legislation and who's creating the zoning areas? DCEO. Mm -hmm. Is that a, a department? Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity. Oh, that's right. Got you. Yep. And then, uh, I had one question for you in particular, when the bill and home grow and the lack of, yeah. what, what was the, what was the thinking behind that? Law enforcement. That was a gift to law enforcement. Um, we wanted home grow in. Um, the reality of it is, is that there's, there's still a lot of myths surrounding cannabis and we had a fight to get the small amount of home growth that we have for medical patients. Um, it's just the, the reality of it is, I think it's like a lot of other things that we're just going to have to deal with. This is an, and this is a brand new industry. Um, all of us that are in this space and leaned in, in this way, we really truly are like all of us, we're like the pioneers of this, you know, and maybe in 10, 15 years, we'll look like geniuses. Maybe we'll look like we're crazy, but I do believe uh, we're not going to look back and be like, wow, we are huge. they were talking about this all the way back in 2019. <laughs> we were talking about it in 2010, but like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. in a way that's legal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's another... but, but the reality of it is, is that when I hear people talk about, you know, this was passing the vacuum, bull, that is not true. Everybody had a voice at the table. Um, I can't tell you how many disagreements came about, but we worked through those issues. But the lack of home growth was a give to IML and to law and IML and law enforcement because they were going to be adamantly opposed, which it felt like they were anyways. Mm -hmm. um, if there was any amount of home growth recreationally, so that's something yeah. that we can come back on. Yeah, that's really right. You get through the door, and then you just try and fix everything afterwards. You know. Yeah. That like with the banking bill, the argument against the banking bill is we want more. Well, how about we just have the fucking banking bill first and then we can get, you know, progress on forward from there, you know? Yeah, because yeah. like right now, the thing that we have doesn't work at all. So let's try this, see if it works, and then at least we've started doing something. Yeah. Common sense is a superpower. Oh, yeah. I'm just glad that we're bringing it to Illinois. Hey, but the third type of social equity applicant is one that has 10 full-time current employees, 51% of which are either in a disproportionately impacted area or were arrested for cannabis. How does that work if I'm a startup? So like if I'm a startup and I'm, I'm putting together my business plan for my application and I and I promise the state, like by the time I open my doors, you know, we're going to do job fairs and expungement seminars to promote our uh, community as and staff our business so that on day one, we are a social equity applicant. Am I going to get the points for that? So my suggestion would be that you not try and reinvent the wheel. You try to partner with organizations that are already doing things like that. Mm -hmm. You partner with groups that are already doing things like that. So you don't have to always reinvent the wheel. Um, you don't have to necessarily 
don't I'm not a lawyer, so don't mm -hmm. don't invite you know. But let, let me let me let me tell you the way I interpret that. Let me tell you what the intent is that there is a intentionality, there is intentionality around the folks that are in this industry um, actually giving a damn about the very people and the very communities that have been devastated by cannabis for the last 80 years. And so when thinking about that, just think about ways that you can partner, you can actually partner with existing organizations, existing groups that are already doing some of that stuff uh, and pulling them and pulling them into your space, maybe consult with them, mm -hmm. work with them. Um, because like, again, you aren't, you don't have like a huge HR department built out. You won't be able to do all those things, but you find ways to leverage um, the folks that are doing those things. All okay. right. According to the Canavisor, uh, there was a webinar for the Canavisors talking about uh, your guys' upcoming, you know, equity program and, and how to get in there. And, and they were saying um, when you apply for this license, you already have to have employees like they have to already be on your payroll. You know, that's, you know, already right before you apply on a, what was it, the 20th. Is that your guys' deadline? Uh, no, the the application will come out on the first, and then there it'll be open for three months before it's due on the first of next year. Yeah. Okay. Well, so you have a bunch of lawyers just saying that you know before you get into apply for your application to have that staff, you can't uh, you know say that you're going to do it in the future or yeah. you know, it's already got to be a thing on your payroll. That's not my that's not my interpretation. Well, okay. Well, mine was like you know there you go. Do you have a coffee shop that you're currently staffing with 10 full-time employees, six of which are this or that? Okay, well, your coffee shop should apply for the cannabis license. And then and that's they already have full-time employees. They're already cash flowing. They aren't allowed to sell cannabis. They don't have a license for it. But, Jahan, on, 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 along with the bill, because you offer uh, in that equity uh, is a loan from the state. Is that something that you guys wrote into it? Or is that something? Like, where does that money come from? The money's coming from the current in the current folks that are in medical. Um, there are fees associated with having a license. Just about mo most license, uh, licenses, there are fees associated with it. So the fees that are associated with fees that are associated with the current folks in medical that essentially will be able to be the first that are supplying the product by January one. That licensure fee then pays for the cannabis revolving loan equity fund. So you guys actually have a medical. As we travel the country, the biggest issues as it related to ensuring that you have a diverse marketplace were issues centered around. And then the biggest issues in Illinois, because we do not have a diverse um, medical medical cannabis industry, the biggest issues are one with medical. You had to come in day one with all of your real estate as an equity applicant. You don't have to have real estate. You get six months. After you get or after you gain licensure to be able to get your real estate, so that was the biggest issue, and then capitalization was the other big issue. And so, what we were looking to do was to remove barriers that have existed historically to ensure that this is a equitable market. Yeah, that's what Tom and I were talking about before. Was that um, that boundary that the, the the equity part where you know someone who comes from a disenfranchised community. Uh, I don't have that kind of cheddar sitting around where I'm going to jump into a 200,000, you know, market or whatever to, to start just to start no, it's and, be more than 200,000. I mean, opening yeah. up a dispensary in Chicago, million bucks. I mean, downstate Illinois, you could do it for less. 
But when I'm giving them like at my clients adequately capitalized advice as to like what that means, I mean, I'm telling them, hey, you got to have some cushion. You can't budget this to the nickel right. because this is a, a right. an operation that's large and moving and things yep. can go wrong and you need to have yep. something in the in the in reserve. So and I'm also, you know, always looking for the social equity talent. But then I tell them they should still be capitalized, even if they're going to try to go for that money, because it says in the application, you have to say if you are or if you're not. But there's no. There's no path to obtain that cash yet. That's still getting worked out, right? By the administration yeah. department that's, do, that's handling it? Yep. Okay. Interesting. Uh, um, so what, what is uh, cannabitches? That's not That's. Cool. That's not yeah. a thing? That's not a that's thing. I read an article and I mean, like, I just don't get why, like, it's first off the stupid ass damn uh, 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 title. Like, how aggressive were you about? Like, I mean, what a bunch of women stand for common sense, and then no. uh, you're all of a sudden, uh, you know, hey, there's there's so much there's so much hypocrisy in the journalistic coverage of cannabis to begin with. So, but I mean, just okay. Mm. But it was only women that that stood up for the 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 actual bill. It was they. No, I mean, the, the, no, no, myself, yeah. Kelly, Heather, Toy. Um, we were the four women that sort of came together and worked on this, not exclusively. I mean, this was a very like, you know, involved process with, I mean, there are other women and men that work on this bill, like Representative Sonia Harper, who represents the Inglewood area. She's actually the um, chairwoman of the Ag Committee in Springfield. Um, Senator LG Sims, who is chair of GPRAM. You have um, Chairman um, Justin Slaughter, who chairs Judiciary CRAM, and Representative Carol Ames. There, there are a number of Rep Representative Bob Morgan, who used to be um, Quinn's Green Czar, Med, who's Medical Green Czar, who is now a state rep, um, Representative Selena Villanueva. So, I'm on, I'm doing a podcast. Please be quiet. Thank you. Um, that's my five-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. That worked. Uh, Shit. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm getting calls, men. man. There are men and women, but I think that essentially what happened with that whole deal was um, something amongst an internal friend conversation with external. Mm. And Damn. we're friends, and so I just leave it at that. But that's not a word, and, yeah. not, and that's, that will not be heard ever again. Trust me. Gotcha. You see, and he had to Google you to like research the guest, and then the semester came up. I've just known you for that 10 word, years. I never even looked at it. Yeah, it should be yeah. dead. Yeah, that was my question. Sorry. That was a Sun Times article that popped up. <laughs> that's a mess. That's a mess. Well, yeah. it's bias. It's bias. Well, that's the but ever a lot of journalists and journalism is biased, and especially like when you read the headlines to a, a story about cannabis, you know right away like basically the bias that the journal uh, or that the article is going to have. I mean, most of them are like puns about how things go up in smoke or they're hazy. Well, I mean, like with a bunch of men. This is this is this is a serious issue, right? Right. This this is real business. This is um, a space that I. I take my I don't take myself serious, but I take my work very serious. And so I don't ever want a cloud to be put on what it is that I'm doing or what it is that I'm leaning into. Because one, I sit at, I stand at a very, very busy intersection in the game of politics. 
I'm a downstater, I'm black, I'm a woman, and I'm a millennial. And so being in that space, I already, a lot of assumptions are already made about me, and I make it my business to poke holes in them all the time. But what I, what I will do, though, is avail myself to listening to, you know, ideas that others may have that may not necessarily um, be in complete alignment with me, listen to them, not agree, mm-hmm. process, and then, you know, state, state where it is that I am. And it, that doesn't have to be made public. And so that's kind of where I am with this, right? Like this mm-hmm. is something that was internal, that became external, that is now dead. And it's well, behind you, us. Well, like you said, the, the, uh, it, yeah. the hey, Okay. Well, I wanted to I wanted to touch base on one more thing before we get to social use, which I find fascinating. But uh, on the diversity of the industry. I was looking at the restrictions regarding the ownership of the numbers of licenses, but uh, like the the statute sets a ceiling of dispensaries at 500 uh, over the course of all the waves and even beyond that, if they just have the maximum of the statute. But then they also talk about how you're only allowed to touch 10 of those licenses. So basically no one player can own more than 2% of the market. What was your intention in that? Slow growth model. The only way that you are going to ensure equity in this industry is if you don't allow the people who are already ultra capitalized and have all the money to, to swallow up all the real estate, um, et cetera, et cetera, that have all the stroke already, that have all the money, et cetera. If you don't, if you don't create an environment that is that allows regular people to participate, right. regular people will not be able to participate. And the, the people do complain. They say, oh my gosh, they priced me all out. I'm like, no, it's expensive to go into basically any it's business. It's business. It right? is. It's and, then now, and how expensive is a business if you can't go to a bank and, and bank it and get a loan? It's even more expensive. And that's why that capital fund was necessary because that really helps bring down the barriers. But it's still going to be a regulated industry and businesses are expensive. Opening a restaurant's expensive, you know, going into business costs money. It, it, this is, this is at the end of the day. Exactly. And I think the folks that I believe that are complaining about it, they, they're not, they're not entrepreneurs already Right. because anyone guys, I am on the phone. I'm on a podcast live. Um, anyone that knows what it's like to be an entrepreneur knows that it's expensive. You know, like the idea that you're able to go into this is a billion dollar industry. The upside on this is amazing for anyone who goes into this industry. And so, no, if you don't have a lot of resources, like probably everything else in life, mm-hmm. this is like somewhat of a challenge. But there is opportunity. So maybe you can't do it alone. Maybe you need to find your brother, find your cousin, find your friend from college, find your sister's girlfriend's brother who 
is resourced up. Like this is where networks come into play. Right. It's like um, such pure capitalism and how you've intent uh, structured it. And it's open in the sense that I'm like, wow. Because if you look at this, we're on Google's pipes. I mean, like Google owns internet search. Nobody's going to be able to say they own Illinois cannabis. It's going to be a very diverse group and it's accessible. You know, it's not Oklahoma accessible, but we're we're very controlling with the supply and the diversion of that supply and it's tracking and then the revenue uh, capture because we know where every gram is. Well, putting that stipulation too also prevents, like you said, the medical people just taking over because you already got people, you know, making money and, and, are, and are doing quite well. And now you just staged them to be, take over the recreational side where now you have to question, like, do I want to jump into both sides? Or? Think about it. Let's talk about the restrictions that you guys placed on the craft grow overlap with the current players. And, and we did that so that the big cultivators couldn't eat up the craft grows. So the craft grow actually was a space where a, a valuable niche space where people could actually operate. If we did not put those safeguards there, then all that would happen, I mean, this is still capitalism. All that would happen is immediately craft goals would mean nothing because the big boys would gobble them up. Right. And you've yeah. restricted that by that 10% rule, which is a part of the statute. I've read a lot and I'm still confused by it because it's one of those ones with, you know, more than three, but no less than five. And you just have to read it a few times. And uh, so if you have 10% or more of one of the cultivation licenses, you can't have any of the craft grow licenses is how I read that. By design. Yep. They've locked them out and they've opened them up. And then there's a max limit. You can only touch three craft grow licenses out of a max in the statute if you if you open it up and it's fully mature of 150. So you aren't you aren't being able to be a McDonald's of craft grows. I mean, if there's only three McDonald's in the whole state, it would be a, a novel thing, you know? No monopolies. No what, do monopolies. You guys, what do you guys consider a craft grow? It's square footage. 14,000 and less. Right. And they start them at five. Yep. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I had a guy like who makes the uh, cannabis facilities themselves, like the grow facilities. He did the math in his head. He goes, oh, it's about 1500 plants. I'm like, how did you do that? He goes, years of practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to trust you, Mr. Guy who builds cannabis farms. Uh, I think you probably know what flowering space translates to in plants. Uh, John, do you plan on getting involved in the industry at all as far as uh, the regulation goes in the future? Or pretty much you want to open a door and now you're good? I like policy. I like what I do. Yeah. I, I got to say, your history is just amazing. I mean, 10 years. At 27, what made you think, all right, screw everything. Party's over. I'm going to politics. <laughs> you know what? I, I've always, So my mother um, was incredibly involved in the community. And I just remember as a little girl, like, being not without even realizing it, I remember being um, incredibly um, impacted by the impact that I saw her have on people's lives. And so, when I was in my early twenties, and I was thinking about, you know, so what what was I going to do with myself? What was I going to do with my life? I um, I knew that I didn't just listen. Money's not a bad thing. Like, no, I'm not taking a foul poverty out here or anything. But um, I knew that. For me to be happy, I wanted to be dispositive on issues that meant something to me. And so I kind of like I, I got into politics without even trying. I I was like a lot of women. I got into politics like as a supporter of other 
politicians. Like, so I got involved in politics, like helping Dave Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be like someone who helped good people get elected. I went, I applied to be a part of, um, at that time, United States Senator Barack Obama's political training program uh, with Emily's List out in D.C. So I, went, I moved to D.C. for like a month. I was a part of that. With That's not moving to D.C. I mean, like, you can't say I moved I there for a month. Peoria, who had only been to Peoria and University of Illinois in Champaign. Wow. For a week, moving to, going to D.C. for a month, it was like, it was like moving. Yeah. 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 But you're a month. Yeah. Sorry, I was very collaborative with what it was. Moved to DC for a, so okay, visited DC for a month. Um, and went went to this political training program, and then um, came back was working on campaigns, and then the party ended up knocking on my door. Yeah, like hey, we think you'd be great to run against Aaron Chalk, and me like a dummy, not even realizing that they were. I was totally getting played. Because there was no way in the world that I could have ever beat Aaron Chuck at that time. No, uh, Jesus Christ couldn't win in that district. Like, <laughs> but listen, yeah. but they told me, like, listen, you're the one. You can do it. Well, and I mean, yeah. and I believe, and I and I believe it. And so I was going to run, and then the next thing you know, Ray Hood retired. Aaron Chuck decided to go to bigger and better things, and what was a loser race turned into a winner race. There you go. That's that's pretty awesome. Uh, yep. So, well, I can't I, wait I, to I, see I, what other policies you get into, but I let's. In, I don't have like a political. I don't have a political family. I don't have a wealthy family. My family is super regular. Um, well, you're community. No. You're, you're you're that's your that's your where you're from, right? Peoria area. Hundred percent, mm-hmm. born and raised, daughter of Peoria. Uh, and you yeah. got three dispensary licenses coming in the first wave, which is going to be very very exciting. And one of the things that we were talking about earlier is this whole social use regulations. Yeah. So what was the legislature's intention by drafting that? Silent on it to allow, allow municipalities to weigh in as they so fit, as they so chose. With full social use. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. But allow, but give me this again. That was enough trying to work with IML. Uh, we were silent on the issue in order to allow municipalities. So, you know, you, you, municipality will choose you know do you want social licenses or do you not want them so are you guys going to be having like and the reason why we did that was because all the other states none of them started with social licenses you right. know, none of no, no state did and so yeah we were, we were already going gangbusters on equity and mm-hmm. stuff like you know it was like okay uh we, we think we know social use is important what we're going to do is we're going to be silent on the issue and allow communities to, if they want, the communities have to stand up and they have to articulate to their local elected officials why this is important. I think that uh, we're probably, I know Zion, I believe Zion Illinois is right now talking about doing um, social use. What's gonna happen is the communities that do do social use um, at the onset, what's going to happen is that folks are gonna realize in other places that don't do it, they will realize the sky is not falling, um, that it's actually a really good revenue generator. And it's really smart policy because if we have now legalized a product that technically is illegal for someone to consume unless they own their own home. Because if you live in public housing, you cannot consume legally anywhere on in Illinois. If you, unless you go to someone who owns their own home, if you are a renter, chances are 
in your rental agreement, you can't smoke cigarettes or marijuana um, as a part of your rental agreement. Um, you can't smoke in public. So the reality of it is, is that, you know, and as I shared with the city, is that what we are doing by not, what the city is doing by not doing social consumption is you are forcing law enforcement to have unnecessary engagement with the community that's not positive, right? That's right. So now, so now law enforcement, because it, it cuts both ways. I'm not somebody who's, who, who believes that people, listen, cannabis is not for everybody. There are many people that look at me and my family like, what the are you doing? Um, starting with like my father, who is almost, you've met my dad before, Tom. Like, yeah. my, um, my dad's almost 80 years old, stage four cancer. You know, he has, he gets the prescribed opioid by the 200 count, but refuses to consume cannabis. Absolutely. He's reaper madness. Right. That's he's been brainwashed. He, you say he's hated. I saw all time you brainwashed. Yeah. I, I hate that for you, but you just got brainwashed that. Um, with that being said, they should not, folks should not be forced to have to walk, live in a neighborhood and people walk around smoking cannabis all day, every day, if that's not what you're into. But the reality of it is we got to give people a place to do it. Yeah, you know, yeah, so right. so I don't think that people should be subjected to having to be around it, but I also don't want to see a situation where law enforcement is only focusing in on certain communities and finding to and finding and feeding to death certain communities mm -hmm. when this is happening. So I just think that the, the 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 lack of social consumption is a glaring problem waiting to happen. Yeah. Miggy, you know, over in Washington State, you guys were one of the leaders in legal cannabis. And you've had, I think it's just celebrated your fifth anniversary in the state of adult use. Tell us about how they're approaching social use in Washington. Uh, we're still trying to tackle the problem. There's nothing on the books, you know. And uh, I was going to ask you about what is your social use right now in the medical? Um, it, for me, it was surprising to hear that you have a medical license. Like when Washington State, when we did our medical, it was more of a, all right, everybody's magically now in the medical business, get a prescription. And then if you want to open a storefront, get a loan, do all your stuff, you'll have to get a city business license. But there was no medical structure, no medical licensee type stuff. Um, and I think that was the downfall of our whole recreational side um, or for medical, because now there's no medical. So like it's that's what you're saying. It's the the difference between the ballot initiative and then the difference between a full legislative session that bangs out a 600 page statute. Yeah, this, I mean, what we, what, what we did is is no offense to Washington. What we did was much harder to do. Um, and mo a lot of a lot of states can't like New York couldn't do it. Like you know, we tried to help New York and they, and they could they couldn't do it. Um, Part of, part of what Illinois had going for them is that, you know, you guys are one of the pioneers. And one of the challenges, like, you know, if, if you're first man through the door, you may get shot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, you were, you were pioneering this space. And so there were mistakes that were made by other states that we were able to learn from. Right? Yeah. And so that's really, the, that's the heart, the heart and cold of it is that um, we were able to look at what happened in Washington happened in California and we were able to learn from some of those mistakes not just in recreational but also in medical well even like you said with the uh, uh, putting stuff on the books I think is huge um, 
if we we're still fighting for home grow here, which you know we're trying to correct that after five seven years, and the only reason why is kind of the same thing that you're saying as far as like we don't want the police to interact in a wrong way with somebody. I just want to have a rule that says I'm allowed to have six plants, and no one's going to jump my fence, or I can call the cops and say, hey, someone came over and stole my plants that I was perfectly legally growing. You know, we try and encourage like. Get rid of the prohibition, and then we can have proper policing, have proper interaction with the police force and whatnot. But right now, you're still being treated like a criminal if it's not in the books. Like with your social uh, consumption, that'd be great to open a business and say, you know, even in this shirt that I have right here, this Northwest Cannabis Market, they are a consumption place here in Washington when it was medical. Now the guy, because uh, Washington, when they had the recreation laws, he moved to Oregon. He's got now a consumption place down in Oregon uh, because Washington doesn't have anything on the books. We have one place in Washington that you can do consumption. And that's because a long time ago, this guy, Frankie's, he owns the land. And uh, back to uh, Tom Washington's uh, uh, my rights, my uh, civil liberty type. Oh, that's shit. right. Um, Washington state is like Illinois. If they had uh, a sound and um, what do they call that stuff? Libertarianism. Yeah. Yeah, so Frankie fought uh, on grounds of like this is my land, my property type thing, and uh, he's passed on. But his legacy in this, what he, the way he wrote his will and all this other stuff, there's a place for us to safely consume without getting fucked with. But there's only one place in Washington State, <laughs> you know, and so we're still trying to go through our aches and pains. Even though we do have, this is why I was asking about your present uh, consumption in medical. Uh, we still have little rogue little things that we have a bus that'll show up sometimes, and that's where everybody dabs out. Or oh, that's right, the dab bus. When we were at yeah. Hempfest, I remember that vaguely. Yeah. So, and, and how we get around that is like when people come on, they'll sign a waiver saying, "Okay, I am not only part of this party, and I'm involved into my personal party here." You know, fortunately, we're layers of paperwork just to have a good time in the, in, in the open. Yeah. <laughs> you know? they, they, they literally have that's a bust, Jahan. We're pioneers, man. Yeah. We're pioneers. It will not be like this in 10 years. No. Well, it'd be great. Like you said, you've, you've guys already got pretty much 80% of what you need to have a great uh, legal recreational program for everybody, in my opinion. Uh, you know, worked really hard on it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's amazing. I still think we don't have enough numbers of licenses. How uh, how is the supply going to work out? You think? Uh, we'll have to see. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I told you like there's the demand study showed forty five percent of the market for this forty five percent of the market will be able to be met uh, by the current folks in the space. So that's day one, and then you'll have folks that will come in in the next wave. After the first wave, there'll be a hard lid that goes on. The, there'll be a hard lid. That goes on also. We'll take a look at the market, see what the market looks like. Is the market diverse? Is it not diverse? The market's not diverse. July 1, 2020, there'll be a disparity study that will then look to be able to um, right wrongs before the market is saturated. And then we'll continue on in, in waves and do it through slow growth. I mean, here's the thing, guys like uh, alcohol was legalized in 29? Uh, 33, something like that. I think it was 33. Yeah, 13 so years. Somewhere yeah. in that range, right? So just this past session, we passed a gallonage bill. So we've been, and every year I've been in the General Assembly, we've passed um, bills dealing with alcohol every year. And I've yeah. been here 10 years now. The the bills dealing with cannabis, 
will be passed long after all four of us are dead and gone. Oh, yeah. And that's what we, we discuss a lot on here on this on this cannabis legalization news podcast. We always say, like, you know, hey, legalization of cannabis seems like really cool and like justice and, and everything. But it's basically a seventh grade civics lesson where you're learning how laws are made. And then that's what we're getting to next is is the amendments. And so like half. Listen, the, listen this is not the end. I mean, this is this is the beginning. Yeah, this is the beginning of this is the beginning of the industry. There literally will be. By the end, of, so we're going into 2020. By the end of this decade, there will literally be there will be hundreds of cannabis bills that get introduced over the next decade. Hundreds. So you know, I mean, are we going to get everything in this one bill? And mind you, this bill was 610 pages. We're we're just there's just no way. Like no different than we're still making challenges. We're challenges. We're still making changes um, to the to the alcohol act. So it's, right. it's, it's going to always be a living, breathing thing. Well, especially with the, um, the national conversation, as that keeps growing, then you're going to have to change this, your state conversation. Because I don't know if you guys saw, but there uh, there's a bunch of Northeast governors that are going to be gathering together, New York, Massachusetts, you know, and trying to talk about legalization. So, I mean, if you get that little pocket of a corner of America all slit over and then you guys, you know, well, I think the safe banking act when you can actually, cause banks are still very, very reluctant to even get an account. And so uh, you have to be careful with how you deal with your bank account, but then also it's having an account is different than having a loan. So like, you know, you can have a checking account and only money in the checking account is how much you have. But if you have a loan and you can access collateral and you can access debt markets, that really will bring down the barriers of entry. I mean, imagine if every pizzeria, because it was illegal to bank pizza, let's say, they had to all raise in cash. That's ridiculous. But that's what we're doing with cannabis. And it's still growing this fast. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yep. Yeah. And with that Safe Bacon Act, it'll also probably help the intercommerce, you know, when that happens one day, you know. Oh, it's, it's, it's going to be a gang changer. Yeah. Right. It'll, it'll be a gang changer. And I think that here in Illinois, um, because we have the gold standard and we have the gold standard in medical. So the businesses that open up here are going to be very well positioned right. um, because reputation in this space. It's very good. We're considered the gold standard in the, in the industry nationally as it relates to medical. And then the way that we crafted the cannabis, the recreational cannabis legalization bill, uh, we have the most equity centered bill in the country. And so as we are moving into um, a world by which we are talking about the issues of equity and inequality, like those issues are not going to die down anytime. No. So it's not a fad. It's a thing that um, companies, industries, politicians, business leaders are going to have to get in tune. To. It's just, it is what it is. And so here in Illinois, we will have companies that were forced to, companies that are forced to deal with the track, the very uh, highly recognized um, seat to sale tracking that we have in Illinois, but then also having um, workforce and hopefully ownership yeah. that is reflective of the state. And so we will be viewed as very wise investments um, as this goes national. Mm -hmm. So our folks are going to be very well positioned here in Illinois. And that's another thing about your the, the wise investment part. As far as uh, your requirement to be a state resident, I think is huge to help your uh, uh, program. 
Yep. Hey, uh, we actually have a question. Hey, Lauren, let's. Yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. All right. We have a question from Victoria Deshong. Uh, what will be discussed in the trailer, Bill? Is it still under discussion? Is there uh, any uh, any details we can give? Um, no. No. Okay. Mostly, mostly, <laughs> mostly, yeah. mostly, mostly technical changes. Um, yeah. Did you guys? We have another question from an engineering candidate. Mostly, 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 mostly technical changes. Mm -hmm. But um, those conversations will certainly continue to um, change and develop. Like there are meetings weekly about the issue. So, um, excellent. And then, uh, yeah, I, I just, I listen, I, I just don't want, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Right? I get it. So I get not it. Not that I'm trying to be cutesy, but I just, well, let's, know. let's look backward then because one of our, one of our viewers asked, how much influence did you use Canadian cannabis framework in drafting the Illinois laws? Or did you only look at other states? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I personally didn't view any of the Canadian, any of the Canadian laws. I personally did not. I'm not saying, well, go give her a hug then. Sorry, guys. They're good. Um, I did not. Um, I want, I can't say that Kelly or Heather or Toy didn't, mm -hmm. but, um, but I did not. Well, thank that was great. But I mean, like I, I wanted to thank you. We've gone for about 50 minutes, which is usually about as long as we do these. So I'm going to let Lauren wrap up the show. Yeah. Before we go, John, is there anywhere we can follow you and see what's going on? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so crap. I should have I should have this. I should have this down pat. You can follow me on Instagram at Jahan Gordon Boot, J-E-H-A-N-G-O-R-D-O-N. You can follow me on Twitter at rep jgb or you can follow me on uh facebook at Jahan gordon booth awesome thank you and nikki where can we follow you uh we and uh i just want to thank Jahan again for joining us and being such a badass yeah oh, oh my god thank you this is, guys this was a lot of fun um sorry for the technical difficulties but thank you for helping me update my phone <laughs> uh <laughs> I, listen you guys are you guys are incredibly tech savvy mm -hmm. because I had no clue um, what you were talking about most of the time. But but thank God for those good old screenshots. Those worked. Uh, we got around this. I tell you, we. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I, I I felt like I was being. Um, I felt like it was like this is a Comcast call, and I was trying to figure out how to get my router working or something. Very true. But we worked. It worked. Everything worked out. <laughs> And Tom, where can we find you and follow you? Uh, you just got to Google cannabis lawyer or about anything on the Illinois law and you'll find me real quick. Excellent. Well, Jahan, thank you so much for joining us again. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next Wednesday. Make sure you like and subscribe. Bye, everybody. Thank Later. you, Jahan.